Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined as always by my co-host, Dylan Ray. And we have with us a couple of special guests we're excited to talk to. We have Brian Burkhart and Jim Eckout. Guys, welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Thanks. Yeah, excited to, to visit with you. Um, really love the uh, the the tribute. That's one of the things we want to talk about is the Fred Bear tribute you guys did. But uh, what I'd like to do first, if we could, is just give our listeners uh, some some background. So. Um, Brian, why don't we start with you? Just give folks a, a an intro for, for some of those that may not know who you are. Yeah, I'm uh, Brian Burkhart, and I've been bow hunting for 46 years. So I legally started hunting when I was 12 in Michigan. And, you know, I've had a bow in my hand as long as I can remember. So my dad was an avid bow hunter, and uh, he's he was really my mentor. And um it was it was nice growing up in Michigan because you had such an influence of archery with you know Fred Bear being in Michigan and and every year we'd go up north to uh, and and actually stop at the uh, Fred Bear Museum and yes. while Fred would be in the museum so you know as a child I'd get to see him and I'd see all the mounts you know the polar bears the brown bears the moose you know you name it you know, the Cape Buffalo, the Lions, and he was just my childhood hero. And so it was, it was, that's kind of how I got um, started going to Alaska. He was, he was really my inspiration to, you know, hunt in Alaska and have extreme adventure. 
we've actually heard that before. I think Fred Bear has influenced, you know, a couple of generations of very avid bow hunters. No, for sure. Yeah. And then Jim, how about you? Okay, I'm Jim Cody, and um, I'm from Michigan, and um, same deal as Brian. Basically, I, we've been uh, hunting for forty. I've been hunting for forty six years with a bow. I started out young. Uh, my dad was an avid bow hunter. Um, always shot bear archery equipment, and um, kind of the same thing like Brian was talking about. We'd make yearly trips up north. We'd end up at the museum in Grayling, and you see the movies, or you'd see the mounts, or and I would always be reading everything I could. Um, any of his stories or anything archery related when I was a kid. And that kind of lit the fire for me to travel. And um, like Brian about going to Alaska and actually uh, this will be my 30th year straight going or 30, 30th year going to Alaska this year. Wow. So besides that all over and yeah, it's just uh, that kind of lit the fire, you know, to see all that stuff. And like I say, watch the movies and that. So nice. And, and so what's your favorite of all the, the Fred bear movies, which one's your favorite? Um, you know, I always like the grub steak bow hunt one. I like that. And I like Kodiak country. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think a lot of people, the first time that they were maybe even introduced to hunting big bears was that Fred bear video. Yep. And yeah. I, I'll tell you that, um, you know, I grew up with four brothers and we all shot, you know, you know, traditional bows and, we would be in the museum seeing Kodiak country and we would be in our backyard afterwards. And if you remember when Fred was waving or kind of motioning to the cameraman to come over and get behind him, Yeah. We would, we would reenact that scene and get, and get behind a tree or get behind, you know, <laughs> or something and act like we were shooting a Brown. Just really had a neat impression. Yeah. So maybe that's why they don't have any Brown bears in Michigan. There's just too many, too many kids out doing that. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess same question for you. Do, do you have a favorite movie, favorite Fred Bear movie memory? What would be something that stood out for you? Maybe when you got to meet him at the museum or. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when I got to meet him at the museum, that was pretty special. You know, being such a young kid, I really didn't realize, you know, who I was meeting at the time. And I knew right. he was a special guy and he'd, gone all, all over the world, but really didn't understand the full impact he was having on the industry and archery in general. So, you know, just, you know, when I look back now at those opportunities that I had when I was a young kid, I just wish I would have, you know, had a lot more pictures of it and got a signature, yeah. a bunch of stuff. But it was, you know, at the same time, it was nice kind of having your own special memory. Yeah. And it's, you know, you talk about folks back then that were going all over the world it you know travel wasn't as smooth and as readily available then as what we are what we have now so it was it was true on some of these hunts it was truly an undertaking not just a trip yeah if you think of the 1959 little delta hunt that iconic hunt that we commemorated for the tribute hunt they had uh, a total of 3,000 pounds of gear that shipped in and they had 14 hunters over over the course of a month come in and out of that camp. So wow. think of the logistics now of doing that. And then think of it, think of the logistics doing that in 1959. Yeah. Well, and what we can get by, you know, the same 
you know, I, did you say 3,000 pounds of gear? Yeah. You know, the same 3,000 pounds of gear that we take now with ultralight down and dehydrated meals and all the stuff that we have now, that could have weighed twice as much back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, just uh, technology. When Jim and I go to Alaska moose hunting, we get to take 50 to 75 pounds. <laughs> so pretty big difference. Yeah. So that's uh so Dylan, our, our question later will be very apropos for these guys. Yeah. Very they, much so. They've been there. So, and so I, I want to ask them a preference to that. Um, we'll ask you guys a question later on, but out of all of the equipment that you guys got to take on the tribute hunt, which one was like the most surreal of the items? Like, you know what I mean? Which one? Yeah, Dylan, I, I tell you that um, I've got a friend that um, owns Fred Bear's personal bolo tie, and it's the one with a black bear on it. And you see Fred in a lot of pictures wearing that bolo tie. And I asked my friend if I could take that bolo tie to the tribute hunt. And he had some reservations because of how special that, that piece is. But he said, you know what? This is such a cool hunt. It really deserves to go on it. So he let us you know, take that wow. Fred's on that hunt. So that was, you know, putting that around your neck and uh, heading out was pretty special. And I, and I did say, I need the GPS coordinates because if you get eaten by a bear, I need that. I, I need to get that bolo tie back. So <laughs> anyway, it, that was a pretty, pretty special thing that we had on the trip. Absolutely. Very nice. Now what about for you, you Jim? I, w I would have to say the bolo tie as well, because just the significance of actually, first off, having it, and like Brian had mentioned, there so many iconic photos of Fred Bear shows him wearing that all yeah. over. So for us to actually have that back in Alaska, it's, it's pretty special. Nice. Yeah. Wow. that's uh, So tell us, guys, tell us, for, for folks who, who may not have heard of it, Tell us about the tribute hunt and how that began and, and what it eventually in, evolved into. Yeah, so how it began is I was actually driving to work in 2019. I think it was January. And I was listening to Fred Bear Fields Notes podcast. And they were recapping the 1959 Little Delta hunt. And it just, it just clicked. I'm like, wow, this is going to be the 60th anniversary of that iconic hunt and how cool would it be to go up there with original uh, 59 bear kodiaks you know wood arrows original uh bear razor heads and and hunt moves and commemorate that 1959 hunt and pay tribute to both fred bear and glenn st charles and so that was the kind of the origination of the concept and I called up Jim and said, and ran the idea by him. And instantly Jim said, I'm in. And yeah. I didn't think it was going to be a tough sell because I knew Jim was <laughs> a big bear archery fan and, you know, like myself. And, um, you know, those are two pioneers and legends of what we love to do, our lifestyle. And it was just fitting for us to pay them tribute. Very nice. And so uh, how many... How many total pounds before it was 3,000? How many pounds did you guys get to take in? Well, we took in, I would say in total, we took in about 150 pounds. You know, we okay. took in nine. Yeah. And, uh, but I did tell Jim that 
because we had we had the you know archery community kind of rallying around the hunt when they were hearing about it, and we had forty donated items, you know, from people across the country that we took on the tribute hunt. And I told Jim we may have to pay for another you know gear flight here uh, with all <laughs> the things that were coming in, but we were able to squeeze them in the bush plane and, and make it happen. Nice. Well, it's it's neat when you know, the archer community is kind of like that sometimes where they get excited about something and everybody kind of jumps in and pitches in. So we've, uh, we've had a little bit of that, you know, when, when we did our relaunch and our rebrand in uh, Reno last year, a lot of people kind of almost re-energize some folks that, you know, folks that have always been around Pope and Young, but it kind of gave them a little, little shot of, energy to see the renewed enthusiasm at, at the club so yeah and i'll give you one example i was at the pope and young convention in omaha and uh-huh. uh, well i'll give you a couple examples but uh at at that convention i had the opportunity to meet you know, dick mock and, and carol mock and dick actually went to the little delta cabin um in the early 60s so so after fred and glenn were there um but he told me the story about the grizzly bear going through the roof and how he had to repair the roof with a rolled aluminum product. So it was really neat kind of hearing his story because he uh-huh. was firsthand. And then later that evening, I was actually up in Jim Willems room, just, you know, having a drink and Dan Willems, his brother, he heard about the hunt. And I, I said, I've got a uh, Fred bear knife kit. So it comes with the sheet, the, the knife, the file, and then a, a stone. And Dan's like, hold on a second. And he went to his room and and basically said, here's, here's the fair knife kit that you can take. And I said, well, I've got every, my dad had the the knife, the file, and the sheath, but or he was missing the file. So Dan gave me the file to take up, you know, with, with my dad's knife and, uh, and sheath. So it was just, you know, generous people rallying around, uh, really paying tribute to Fred and Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. Fitting, fitting folks to be paid tribute to. Yeah. And yeah. I, Glenn was the founder of Pope and Young. So, you know, every time I would go to Seattle, I would stop and see Glenn. And that's when he had the, you know, the Pope and Young Museum was there, really. His mm-hmm. museum was there. And it was just, you know, we would go up into his office. He'd He'd pull out the file cabinet and pull out a manila folder and just tell me about the hunt. So he just had all of his hunts in the in a file folder. And it was just really, uh, really neat to hear it firsthand from Glenn. And he said, Brian, you ought to be videotaping this. And I said, I know, Glenn, but uh, I think it's just special to be private. So, yeah. This you cool. guys had some some arrows made from Susan, didn't you, for that hunt? So um, when Brian was talking about that good friend of ours that had Fred Bear's original bolo tie, he also had all the original slides from the from that hunt from 1959. Oh, wow. So we were over there one day before the hunt, and he let us go through those slides, see pictures that I'm quite sure very few people have ever seen. But uh, one of the slides was a very good picture of Fred Bear's arrows. So I took a picture of that, and then based off what length arrows and everything, I drew a diagram up in the color scheme up. And then uh, we got a hold of uh, Sherwood shafts to get the shafts, and then they shipped them directly to Suzanne. And then um, I sent the you know the color scheme and the the pattern to 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 her as well. But 
Brian had, uh, you talked to her about uh, get, making the arrows, and she really didn't want to, did she? Well, what, what happens, I called Suzanne, and she said, Brian, I'm, I told her about the tribute hunt. And she said, Brian, I'm so backed up. I don't know if I can do it. And I said, Suzanne, you don't understand. You know, this is paying tribute to your dad and Fred Bear and, and commemorating the 1959 hunt. And at the end of the day, she said, all right, I'll, uh, I'll do it. And, uh, and then she really got excited about it. So it was just pretty neat for her to have that connect, that St. Charles connection with the hunt. And, um, you know, I know your listeners won't be able to see it, but I'll, I'll show you guys you know, what the arrow looks like. We actually do this podcast on video so they can uh, head over to YouTube and look at it. Okay. So that's great. So here's the arrow, but it was basically uh two natural bark with the cock feather being a yellow, uh, a natural bar Turkey dyed yellow. And then there's the actual cresting that Fred used in 1959. And mm time he was shooting an entire white shaft that helped him with his instinctive shooting you know having that visual and then there's an original 1959 bear razor head and so that's what Jim and I were using on the hunt and Suzanne made these arrows and what's really cool um, is the and I don't know if we want to spill the beans but I was fortunate to kill a moose in the a year after I killed the moose in 2019, I was making a stock on another moose and actually found the kill arrow, arrow straddling a moose trail. And, and here's the picture of that arrow. So it's still in phenomenal shape. It's still got the bear razor head on it. Um, there was actually some moose hair in the bear razor head, but I couldn't believe a year later, just uh. stalking a moose I looked down and just was dumbfounded to see my arrow from the prior year that I actually killed the moose with. So it's just really cool. You nice. know, uh, Brian told that story on the bear archery podcast and I've gotten so many messages and emails and like, that's crazy that he found his arrow a year later. Holy cow. That's insane. Uh, so, I mean, I was blown away by the amount of people that reached out saying, that's incredible. I can't even find my own arrows on my own property a year later, much less in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, that was really, you know, a surreal moment, you know, if you if you want to use that term. And, you know, especially when you're making a stock on a moose and you look yeah. and you find yeah. it. So that, that's got to throw some extra confidence right there. You're like, yep, that was from last year. I've totally got this. Yep. Yeah, well, I ended up not getting that moose. Okay. <laughs> that's how right. we there goes my theory. That's you know, <laughs> yeah. Jason just rubbing it in. You know, yeah, I see. I, I don't have forty six years of bow hunting. I'm just in the thirties. So we're uh... well. You know, something else that's kind of cool that Suzanne did for Brian and myself is um, she made us each two extra arrows, flu <clears throat> flu arrows, and um, I don't know if you can see this, but those are the original feathers from 1959. Really? Wow. Yeah, those were glens. So when I was those talking about feathers. Yeah, when I was talking to her about making the arrows, she said, and she finally agreed to do it. Then she said, uh, you know, I've got some of my dad's, you know, full-length feathers from 1959 that he actually used. And she said, How about if I make a couple extra flu flus? And what was really neat, uh, it was neat having that, you know, those arrows, but she signed those as well. So they're yeah. pretty neat. You know, I actually uh, went on a an antelope hunt this year, and uh, 
the guys there that, that I was with, they were all, all trad shooters. And, uh, one of them actually brought arrows that she had made yeah. and he, he had little pins and everybody got to sign and he, he presented a, each one of us with one of those arrows. So it's pretty oh, that's cool. A great, yeah. I've got yeah. Yeah. hanging up in my shop. It's, it's a pretty neat deal. So. Oh, what is Dylan? That, that's a, that's a panel arrow. So every year at panel, we get all of the measures um, and everybody involved gets together. Um, this year, Roy Grace had those made up for, for everyone at panel. Everybody signed them and everybody gets to leave one. These with were all made the by Susan. Oh, they were. Okay. Yep. She, her signature's on here, I believe. Well, in that case, I've got two of hers. Yeah. These were made by Susan. Yeah, Suzanne does a great job, and uh, I was we we Jim and I were just thrilled when she she agreed to do it. So, just like I said, neat to have that connection. It's neat. It's kind of like finding the arrow. It all all comes full circle. Yeah. So very nice. And so going to as as many times you guys have been to Alaska, what's your favorite species to chase up there? Uh, no question, moose. I mean, I just. You know, being up close, you know, with 10, 15 yards to a 1,600-pound bull in the rut that wants to take you out, it I don't think it gets any more exciting than that. And uh, I've been charged by a bull moose twice and thought my life was going to be over, for sure. But uh, just that that is definitely my favorite animal to hunt. I love where they live. I love how big they are. And it's just, uh, you know... The only part I don't like is when you get one down on the ground. You gotta pack that's work. That's, that's <laughs> a lot of work, but but it's labor of love. So so I'm gonna keep doing it. So I've and, I've, I've been moose hunting in Alaska um, since 2008. You know, so what what is that? 14 consecutive years. And um, when I first went up there in 2008, I told my pilot book me through 2020. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm absolutely sure. And this last year I told him, put me through 2030. So nice. As long as I, as long as I can. Yeah. How about you, Jim? Um, I, I'm on the same page with Brian. I like hunting moose, but I mean, I kind of like hunting anything in Alaska to be honest with you, yeah. just being up there. But uh, like Brian said, when you're doing a stock on a moose and getting that close and bow range with one, you know, and I also like really like hunting the caribou as well too. So, but, uh, but Brian's right. I mean, those when the moose is in the rut and they go into like he calls it the trance or whatever, and you see that happen, it's, it's pretty cool. Huh. That's that sounds fun. So now, how about the lower forty-eight? I'd say white tails. Yeah, I, it might be evidenced by your your background there. <laughs> I don't think you had to answer for us to know. Yeah, okay. I was just right right before we started recording. I was just telling. Telling Brian how nice it was to finally get somebody else with a kudu on camera. <laughs> so I, I've been pretty lonely for a while. So how about you, Brian? What's that? What's what's your favorite thing in the lower forty-eight? Uh, it would definitely it would definitely be white tails, you know, because I've hunted them since you know I was twelve years old. So they hold a pretty you know special place in my heart. I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I wish all the seasons didn't happen in like september you know right i'd love to go elk hunting and all that but when you're in alaska for a month 
you know, hunting moose, it, it takes a lot of those other opportunities away. And, and, um, so anyway, it, it would be whitetails. Yeah. I think we, we've had a lot of folks on the show. A lot of people really, you know, whitetails kind of where they're, where it started with them and where their heart belongs. And we have a, we hear, we hear elk often. A lot of yeah. the Western guys like the elk or some of the mule deer, but uh, I'm trying to think Dylan, have, uh, is this our first moose as a favorite species? I believe so. Okay. So but Jason, well, I want to make a note. And I, I think part of the reason why on whitetails is because, you know, you talk a lot about having to be drawn in your own home state. Like whitetails yeah. are so readily available that, I mean, within a five hour drive, I can hunt <clears throat> Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Missouri um, within five hours of driving. And that's all, you know, over the counter whitetails. Uh, well, Kansas, if you're a resident, but, and so I think that's why you get that answer so much is because so much opportunity you can hunt them yeah. anywhere and anytime. I mean, not anytime, but you know what I mean? Um, that, I mean, that's why it is for me. If some, I mean, somebody asked me one time, if you can only choose one animal to hunt, what would it be? And, and sure you want to hunt elk, you want to hunt those things, but at the same time, if I don't choose whitetail, then I only get to go on one hunt a year. If I choose whitetail, I can hunt, hunt as much as I want. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of opportunities and it's, you know, you hear about it and there's, there's places in the South where you can go out and shoot a buck a day. And, uh, you know, somebody from the West who's, you know, there's, there's places you'd love to hunt, but it's 20, 25 years just, just to draw yeah. one tag. It's, it's a little bit different on the opportunity spectrum. Brian, you shot a nice, nice turkey last week, didn't you? Yeah. And I am not, uh, not a turkey hunter. So, I mean, I just got fortunate. I was actually, Carol Mock invited, um, invited the Compton board down to Plum Creek Cabin, which is a pretty special historic place in in and of itself. And um, after we had our board meeting, we actually um, were able to hunt. A few of us hunted and I was able to take a nice Merriam. So um, it was awesome experience. Nice. Jason, I don't care about board meetings, but when's our staff meetings going to take place over <laughs> some turkeys? You know, <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, you know, right now we're lucky to get a pizza out of that deal. I'm not yeah. sure I can swing a turkey. Hunting. Jason, you got to step up your game, man. I guess so. <laughs> Gosh, nothing like being called out live just like that. Hey, you, you got know to, what? you got to Go shoot a, a whitetail last year because of a staff meeting. That was I, pretty cool. You know, that was pretty cool. We actually yeah. had uh had our staff meeting in in uh, Minnesota and and then I stayed over, was working on a project, got to go spend a little time in a tree stand and shot shot a whitetail. That was a fun experience. You guys little, want to talk about stress. I drove overnight home from that. And it was like November 4th. And so I was driving overnight in the heat of the rut across the Midwest. Um, and I just kept thinking the whole time. I'm like, don't let any deer jump out in front of me. I saw yeah. tons of deer, but but I was safe the whole time. So, Wait, you guys are having meetings during the rut? Well, Jason wanted to hunt. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, and I was, actually, right, <laughs> I was actually excited for him because I wanted him to experience whitetail country. And yeah. I wanted him to experience it in the rut. I mean... It's one thing to come, you know, October fifth, uh, and it's another thing to come November sixth, seventh, eighth. Um, so I was pumped for him. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, oh, I love whitetail hunting, like I like I said, and I know Jim does. Um, and and it's a lot of fun being in the stand and seeing the rut activity and all that. But really, my personal preference 
is spot and stock hunting. So that's what I love about Alaska. I go to Kodiak all the time hunting the blacktail deer, mm-hmm. the blacktail, and you know, go there hunting bear and and uh it's just something about being eye level on the ground, you know, matching your wits against those those animals is makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was neat where I got to hunt uh was was actually in Wisconsin and uh you know hadn't I just hadn't been there before and so you never know what to expect. And it was kind of neat because I saw bucks just about every day. Um what surprised me is I kind of expected to see you know, I thought I'd see, oh, you know, like a dozen, 15, 20 does a day and then, you know, hope to get a good buck in range. And it, yeah. it was a little bit different. A uh, 90% of what I saw were bucks. You so, should hunt. You should, you should hunt some Southern states. <laughs> yeah. Jason, don't complain about seeing bucks. No, not complaining. <laughs> just total observation. And yeah. it's, uh, I think Dylan's disappointed because I didn't uh, didn't come back with the fork and horn. Yeah. So, <laughs> not that I'm too proud for that. Just that, you know, where I was, they're like, oh, no. That's yeah. uh, a friend of mine that him. invited me. She says, hey, she says, it, my dad is going to be torqued if you shoot a little one. Do not shoot a little one. And I'm like, I well, texted what's, him the what's first little? morning and said, yeah. forky or bust. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So I was, uh, no, fortunately got one and, uh, was wound up being what a nine, nine pointer. Cause it had oh, a, nice. had a, had a busted tine on one side. So think about that so long, Jason, I don't know, you know, cause you guys add everything up. So we're a little bit different here. <laughs> you know, these Michigan boys so, will be on my side. They, they tell me, yeah. I'm, they tell me I'm wrong because they're like, Oh, I shot a nice three point. And I'm like, Three point, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah. three on three by three, three with eye guards. guards." I'm like, "Yeah, so you mean an eight point? If it's a yeah. three by three with eye yeah. guards, it's an eight point." And they're like, "No, it's three point." And I'm like, "Wait a second, what?" Yeah, yeah, they're they're all backwards up there. See, we, we you, just Dylan. we just like a, we just like to provide a little bit more, you know, information on our, you know, it's like because a uh, a four by four with eye guards, you know, what you would call a ten that's a little bit different than, you know, if you shoot a, you know, a one by seven or something, which would yeah. be an eight, you know I mean? We just like to provide a little more information so that we're, we're all on the same page. Well, you've heard about the Michigan 11 points. What now? Tell me about that. Oh that's yeah. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of those. Yeah. D- Dylan's favorites, the, the uh, four pointer. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, all day long, baby. Hey, yeah. you know what? And what was that thing you said? He said, hey, it was wider than my knife. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, I like killing too much to let them walk by. You know what I mean? That's Well, they that's all look good in the in the uh, freezer, too. Yeah, that they do. You can't tell how big their horns were when they're cut up and in freezer and packaging. Yeah. yeah. I I do have to tell you, it that whitetail was pretty tasty. I could, I was... I, I had a bunch of luck, you know, I took a bunch of stuff out there and, and so I couldn't bring it all back, which I think my host was pretty thankful for, but I, I, uh, I did peel out a, uh, a back strap and, and some tenderloins and, and that made it, made the trip back to Oregon. And, uh, it, it was very good. I do have to, to commend it for, for very high quality table fare. Yeah. Especially since I'm not the world's strongest cook. So. <laughs> What's your uh, what's your guys' favorite wild game to consume? 
Well, this is going to be redundant, but I love moose. I mean, I I haven't had sheep. So, you know, I hear everybody talk about, you know, sheep being so good. And I don't know if it's because, you know, of the terrain and it's so extreme. And then you finally get one and it's just special. And that's why it tastes, you know, so good. Sweat equity. You got some sweat equity in that one. Yeah, I think that may be part of it, but uh, but you know, for me, the interior flays on a moose over an open fire in moose camp, it doesn't. To me, it doesn't get any better than that. I also like Kodiak Blacktail. That that's got a really good flavor. So um, those would be you know two on the top of my list. Yeah, I I mean, I can somebody second me on javelina? Can I get a second? <laughs> yeah. If they're uh, if they're in fajitas, maybe. You know, I I shot one of those recently, and some of the guys I was in camp, they were like, "I'm not eating that." But we had, uh, you know, when you get one down, all of a sudden you realize they do not smell delightful. And man, I don't know if it's if it was kudos to the chef or what it was, but it was it was really good. I had so, it one time too, and I got a second that. I mean, it was phenomenal, actually. Yeah. That and rattlesnake. We had both that night. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Of course, everything, and just like you said, in moose camp around an open fire, it tastes better. Um, You know, when you're down in South Texas with the boys and you got a fire going and, you know, there's some music playing in the background and you've hunted all day long, anything's going to taste good. Had I had brought some javelina home and tried to cook it in the kitchen, maybe it wouldn't have tasted as good. Yeah. Well, we've got some friends that go javelina hunting all the time, and and they've really learned how to prepare it, and you know they they like it a lot. So, uh, so yeah. I, you know, if it's prepared correctly and taken care of in the field, then you've got you've got a pretty good option there. Yeah, I was excited to try it, and until I was holding that thing up, and I'm like, "Whew, that's pretty." <laughs> yeah, and the fleas, man, you touch it for thirty seconds, and there's fleas all over you somehow. I, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice. Oh, it's bad. That, man, they live in some thorny stuff. Like, we look, that thing, everything there has thorns on it. it there, were two, there were two javelina <laughs> over the weekend that we shot, and they ran off the road, and you literally would have had to have a tractor to go in and get them. Uh, there was no way no. to even break the barrier into the woods. It was like, we, if we had a bulldozer, we could get in. Um, and so we just had to leave them and I was so mad. These boys will understand this. Uh, I was so mad because I shot a javelina with my recurve first animal I'd ever shot with my recurve. I'd worked my tail end off to shoot this thing and went down to Texas and I shot a javelina with it and I could hear, we could hear it die. I mean, it died a hundred percent and I couldn't, we couldn't get in there to get it. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And, uh, people are like, well, man, you didn't want it bad enough. I'm like that. You don't understand. Like (laughs) there's no even you couldn't get on your hands and knees and belly crawl through this stuff. I mean, I was so upset that I didn't get my hands on the first animal, but oh, well. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, yeah. Cause that's the first thing you think is, man, you, you didn't want it bad enough. You should have tried harder, but boy, where, where I was, there were a few times where I had to crawl through stuff just to get to the next little, sp- and, and you get up and you start looking around and you're like, I don't even know how I'm going to get out of this circle of just thorns and nastiness. So anyway, what, uh, so other than Alaska, what other locations find you guys, any other annual trips that you, you do religiously? 
Well, for no, me, I just, it's uh, I go to Alaska four or five times a year. Okay. So, so that that really consumes my time. I I guess this year I'm I'm going. Jim and I are actually going into Homer in June on a fishing trip. So we you know catch halibut, salmon, rockfish, and then uh, I'm going on a uh, bear hunt in in Alaska um, in August. And then I should draw Iowa this year for whitetail. So um, I've got five preference points. So I'll hunt whitetail in Michigan, uh, Iowa, and then uh, I've got a lease in Ohio as well. So that will kind of wrap up my season. I'm not going to Kodiak this year, but uh, plan on going again next year. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I just, uh, if I don't draw any tags out of state, <clears throat> I usually just, um, you know, I'll be hunting whitetails here, but I always play the tag game. And if la if it comes right down to it, I can head back to Alaska and go hunt blacktails or something like that. But um, I did just draw a Utah mountain lion tag, so that'll be coming up this year. Nice. nice. But that's what I'm doing this year. I'm, I don't have anything set in stone besides that. I'm just playing the tag game, you know, like you were talking earlier about how long it takes to draw certain yeah. tags. This is my uh, 30, 31st year putting in for Maine for a moose tag. So I'm hoping that might come to fruition yes. finally. It's, I got quite a few points in Utah for elk and that I put in for all that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, this is uh, my home state, Oregon. They just switched to all deer and elk archery is now a draw. So this is our first year going to elk on a draw. So I, I'm not entirely sure how that's, you know, it's something that I've just taken for granted that I'd be able to get a, you know, to get an archery elk and archery deer tag. And then last year they changed the deer and, <clears throat> and this year they changed the elk. So it's, so it's Jason, entirely that's a draw for residents as well. Yeah. It's a draw for everybody. Oh my gosh. Wow. So it's, um, it, you know, and I look back and I, I had to, I had to take some stuff out of my gun room the other day and, and, uh, I've got the tag from my first buck that I shot when I was 12, really nice, uh, I guess it would be a 10 point blacktail. Although if anybody, if you hear 10 point blacktail, black people just look at you funny. So really nice four by four. And on the back, it has my tag. And back, back in those days, it was a one deer tag. You bought a, a tag. It was good for, you know, mule deer on the East side, blacktails on the West side. And then after that it switched. And then, you know, now it's, it's just specific zones. So it's, um, it's a little disappointing because I know one of the one of the hurdles that we have in the hunting community is opportunities, and yeah. you see that where the, you know, the opportunities are are just being cut shorter and shorter and shorter, and and it's tough to see. It's even even tougher to live through. So, yeah, I know. I think it's you know it's a little different where Jim and I live in the Midwest. You know, the because there's so many deer as an example, but. But I just keep hearing example after example in the West where, you know, they're losing over the counter opportunities or the seasons yeah. getting shortened. And, you know, it's just it, not a trend you'd like to see for sure. Yeah. So hopefully they, they get it all figured out and, and make it to where it's not, you know, it, it's, it's just hard to establish, you know, like you guys have your tradition of going to Alaska every year and that's, you know, fantastic. It's, it's hard to establish those trend, those traditions like that. If, if you, you know, Oh, well, I'm gonna have the tra tradition of going every oh three to five years. It's just, yeah. you know, it's harder to get in your groove that way. 
That's true. So, yeah, we're very fortunate because like we're in Michigan here, at least where I live, I can shoot two bucks and uh, 10 does. Yeah. So all over the counter, you know, and then uh, when I first started hunting, when I was 12, we were allowed <laughs> one buck. So if you shot a buck with your bow, you couldn't gun hunt unless you were lucky enough to win the lottery and get the doe, doe permit. Then really? eventually it went to two bucks a year. Um, and then like in the early 80s, it went to four bucks a year. But you still had to draw a dope tag. And they had four bucks a year for, I want to say like for four years. And then it went away with the, back to two bucks. And then, um, so you can shoot your two bucks in the bows archery season or in the gun season here. But uh, like I say, the does, um, it fluctuates back and forth, but it's pretty liberal how many we can shoot. So, yeah, it's, I, I think when I, when I went to Wisconsin, I think I had a buck tag and gosh, I think there were six doe tags and uh, it took me a few days to get my buck or I'd have probably gotten a couple of those along the way, but I didn't want to start with those. And uh, then by the time I got my buck, the weather was pretty bad. And I'm like, man, I don't want to be out in that junk, you know, field dressing. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it's definitely, you know, part of our responsibility as hunters to use our, our resources and, and practice wise management. And that, if that means you need to go out and take some does, um, it's, I had this discussion with somebody the other day that's, you know, once again, from the West where there's, we just don't have the deer numbers. I mean, in, in places you do, but a lot of places you just don't have the sheer deer numbers of what you see on the East, you know, Midwest and East coast. And uh, so it's, it's interesting when you start talking about harvesting does and why that's important. It's just different mentality. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Dylan, you want to pop the question? I do. So when you guys are out hunting, what is one non-traditional hunting item that you always have with you? Uh, this is easy for me. I'll start Jim and maybe you can chime in on yours, but, um, uh, I've got a buddy, his name's Mike Browning. He's a really cool guy. In fact, he's got the um he's got the world record for uh brown bear uh with a traditional bow. Um, so he's number one in the Pope and Young book. But anyway, he goes he's going moose hunting with me this year, and we always take scentless bacon. And he makes a habit of cooking it right in my teepee. And he tells me it's scentless. It doesn't Set scentless doesn't taste scentless and uh, i'm like why are you cooking this in my tv money and uh he's like oh don't worry it's scentless so scentless bacon is is the <laughs> you know that's uh okay when you say it that way it makes sense because bacon <laughs> happens to be we heard that on one of our very first shows i think number so, two second podcast and so, uh, so bacon for, for the entire time has been one of my favorite answers, if not my favorite answer, but scentless bacon, no. So, but if you're just cooking, you know, scentless bacon in your buddy's tent, then that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It's bacon, in air quotes. And I'll, uh, I'll actually, uh, Jason, send you a photo of cooking bacon over a campfire on an, on a wire and, uh, you'll get, you'll get the image. So that's nice. <laughs> all right well we will fully accept bacon as an answer cause, always because we love an bacon. answer for anything yeah i agree all right jim same question um, what do you think 
for an, as a non-traditional item that I take hunting with me? Yes. You know, you can't say a knife. I don't know, really, honestly. Jim, not anything you blow up either. <laughs> that was in your pack. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I take a video camera with me, but I can't think of anything non-traditional. I don't carry a GPS or anything like that. So I don't really take anything technologically advanced, to be honest with you. Okay. Jim, I, I can give you an answer because I've seen it. Jim takes a flip phone. Oh, my flip phone. Yeah. Yeah. And I can turn it on to see what time it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wear a watch. Well, Brian, Brian made me wear a watch when we're, we're moose hunting in Alaska to keep time. So, <laughs> huh. but uh, yeah, I really don't care anything like that. I don't, like I say, I don't carry a GPS or anything, no matter where I'm on. What about anything okay. sentimental, like anything extra, like from the, from the family or. No, last year I was carrying my dad's ashes with me in Alaska and stuff. So. He had just passed away. So I carried them the uh, whole entire hunting season with me everywhere. So that's cool. But that's, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, we like to ask that because it's, we've gotten such a wide array of, of answers. It's, it's neat to see what everybody has out there. And we have a lot, I think everybody works so hard at paring down their pack to the absolute essentials that, you know, that's, that's, something that not everybody not every not everybody has extra gear so to speak but so yeah and, I keep uh, it. So, speaking yeah. of uh brian one of my favorite answers was and i think it was jim willems who said headphone or uh, earplugs because my buddies in the tent snore too loud <laughs> sorry yeah no yeah, that was not handy that was frank noska in reno maybe it was panel. maybe it because was because he, he just got done talking about how he's, you know, a lot of time he solo hunts. Yeah. And then we asked him the question, what you take? And he says, oh, I, th I think that was Frank. Because he's like, I, I yeah, think you're right now, yeah. That way, you know, when people are snoring, I'm like, you literally just talked about solo hunting. And now you talked about needing protection from snoring. So <laughs> yeah, maybe he's the snorer and just doesn't want to admit it. Yeah, yeah. I've, you know, I snore, but it doesn't bother me. Apparently, yeah. some people wake, wake themselves up. Yeah. So, well, guys, I want to just take take some time and and thank you for what you do on on behalf of of bow hunting. Um, what a tremendous story and and a neat opportunity to go, you know, redo and pay tribute to Fred Bear and and Glenn St. Charles and in that hunt. What a neat experience, and we appreciate you guys coming on the program and and sharing that with us. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really neat hunt and uh, really special. And it was it was really special to see the entire archery community kind of rally around it. So it was uh, as we've said before, it it didn't have anything to do really with Jim or I or Moose. It was really paying tribute to our childhood heroes. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much appreciate you being with us. Thank you.